There is no error with your audio outputs. Do not attempt to fix any sound issues. We are monitoring you with this device. We control your options and settings. We are transmitting through your internet connection, but our signal is actually entering your mind, sending electrical impulses into the very tissues of your brain. Try to stay calm. We've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. And welcome to another amazing podcast for the Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips. I am the publisher of Paranoia. I am not the editor. I am the publisher. Um, I print the damn magazine, and I own it. Ron? Hey, I'm Ron Patton. I'm the executive editor of Paranoia Magazine. Three years strong. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ron. So, Ron, uh, as always, we're going to edit the magazine finally, right? You betcha. I was trying to do that tonight, but, you know. We had a podcast. It's got in the way, yeah. Well, you know, the podcast... We have fans. Yes, we do. And, and when we don't, when we don't make podcasts, they get angry. <laughs> that is true. I've noticed that yeah. it's it's just very peculiar. But I mean, I think it's great that there are a lot of people that wait patiently each week to listen to the Paranoia podcast, and uh, it's almost like a cult following. So I, I don't know about that. Uh, you know, you know, Ron. We we share a friend named Chris, Chris Superman, and uh, oh, yeah. I know he's going to listen. Yeah, I know he's going to listen. To us. You know, I was talking to Chris the other day, and I said, mm-hmm. Chris, you know, I've been thinking about this long and hard for a very long time, and I've come to the realization I need a cult. I need mm-hmm. to form a cult. Yeah, I'm thinking a UFO cult, right? But I need a cult, Ron. Mm-hmm. Can you get on that? Why don't why don't we just make it the cult of paranoia? I think that just makes better sense. Okay, but we need to like come up with a secret word and stuff. Oh yeah, I mean we we can do all that, but it, it's just let's keep it. It's not it's just flirty and because you know. So you know, I think the government. I mean, I think mass government is blocked for a very strong base. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm really good at uh, cult mind control techniques, as everybody knows. Okay. Yes, that that's your deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tonight we have a very special guest who's been on the podcast before. His name is Hercules Invictus. Hercules is a wonderful guy. Um, I cannot begin to go into all the things that Hercules does, but I will. I would just sum up Hercules in this way: Hercules is objective as I know it and understand it to be, is to help people to live their lives mythically and legendarily. And I, I think that's awesome. And he does. He really gets in there and, and he promotes people and really wants them to live their lives the way he does, which is very much mythically and legendarily. 
And uh, I've been hanging out here with uh, Hercules for a long time. And, and I just, I think he's a, one of the most interesting cats I've, I've ever talked to. So somehow I convinced him to come back on the podcast. Um, there, there were some mythical items that I had secured that I have traded to Hercules in order to, to get him to come on. His time is very, you know, very sensitive and he has a lot going on. So we appreciate him. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute now. You said you traded? What? You traded with him? What did you trade? I, I traded him some mythical items that I cannot go into. Oh, okay. Okay. I just want to make sure that you didn't like yeah, go beyond. We don't want to talk about that. Paranoia here. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Sorry to no, digress. You know what? Us. I, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I didn't pay Hercules shit. I just said, yeah. Hey, Hercules, come on. But the other thing sounds Oh, good. but it sounds good. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Par- paranoia doesn't pay shit, pay shit to anybody. Paranoia yeah. doesn't even pay me shit or you shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> But, but we get good rubs. We get good rubs. We get good rubs. Yeah. <laughs> that that well, being said, Hercules, welcome. Uh, thank you very much. I'm greatly honored to be on the Paranoia podcast uh, and assuage the anger of your fans who you know were waiting, and I'm glad to accommodate. And I'm very honored <laughs> to be here. Excellent. Excellent. You know, I I was you know Ron, I was on Hercules's podcast. Uh, or no, his radio show. Sorry, he's he's got an actual radio show. Wow, I was on legit. it last week. Yeah, legit. I, well, I what is the difference week? between a podcast and a radio show? I, I can't figure it out. I used to call it a new radio show, and then everyone kept uh, correcting me and telling me the term was podcast. So it's like, okay, well, so so a radio show is like when you do it live, okay, and you can take callers. This is a yeah, podcast. And, okay. Usually, it's on the on the airwaves too. As opposed to the yeah. internet, that's how some people categorize radio. Podcast is normally on the internet and, and streamed. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. I streamed live. Yeah, we don't we don't do it live. We tried that and nobody listened, so we just went back to being a podcast. So we record this this crap and and then uh, people download it for some reason and listen. Because yeah. you guys are awesome. I mean, you do awesome things. Oh, and, uh, you. you talk about them. And, uh, how else can you tap into all the awesomeness that's going on than to listen? Well, now that that gets to something. So one of one of the reasons that I wanted you to come on, and and you had talked about this the last time. There are two big things I want to get into. So you know what? Before I get into the the part I really want to go down. Tell us what you're doing, because you, you got books and radio shows. I mean, let us know what's going on in in your your neck of the woods. Uh, okay, uh, I have three e-radio shows or podcasts. Um, one is called The Voice of Olympus, and that is about mythic living, and it covers everything from uh, mythic spirituality to video games and comic books. So anything that that uh, has Greek mythology mostly, but not exclusively, uh, is surviving in our day and age, mostly as part of the popular culture, we cover it on uh, that uh, show. Uh, then I have the Elysium Project. Elysium is the highest heaven to which uh, humans can uh, aspire to or even conceive. 
So my goal with what I'm doing is to make this world a heaven. And that sounds, uh, uh, yeah, if you're going to have goals, you might as well have really big ones. <laughs> so that's okay. one of my goals. Mm-hmm. You know, try to make the world a better place. And it focuses on yeah. people, everything from politicians to people who start movements to people trying to start movements. Uh, um, I haven't had any people uh, uh, who want to start a cult yet, but I guess I'll invite you guys uh, when we start looking at that. And yep. <laughs> uh, uh, so that's the Elysium project. And then there's Pride of okay. Olympus, which focuses mostly on cosmic spiritualities, often but not exclusively uh, involving UFOs. Okay. So, so that's then, the podcast part of it. And right. I've been writing uh, anthology, I've been contributing to anthologies um, and occasionally writing for e magazines or, or print magazines. The anthologies are Tim Beckley's. Uh, um, uh, books, and I think I've contributed like 14 of them so far that have that have been published. Wow! And I, I I'm I'm enjoying doing that. That's a that's a fun thing. Uh, then fun. I it really is. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, then I'm doing uh, um, enrichment, uh, in which uh, I'm working with uh, kids and with adults, uh, trying to get them focused on STEM and STEAM. STEM is science, uh, technology, engineering, and mathematics. STEAM is art uh, in there uh, with that combination. Uh, I've been doing mostly role-playing game type things Mm -hmm. uh, for fun. And then they get points if they participate in the the science programs in the library. And then I also do this in schools and assemblies and events. And so that's another thing I'm doing. Um, I'm involved in my community. I'm an elected official on the uh, Democratic County Committee. And uh, congratulations. Thank you. Yes, I I didn't even know I was running. People wrote me in. So that was cool. (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, And uh, I'm the chairman of the Access for All Committee, which uh, tries to make Tenafly, which is where I live, accessible to all its residents, especially if they have disabilities. And Basically, that and teaching, uh, you know, different things to different uh, people, everything from metaphysics to science. So uh, the, all of that keeps me very busy. Yes, it does. Well, one of the things that you do, and I, I don't, you know, I only see it pop up, right? But one of the things that you do that I really like is that you've created a community of people. And if somebody's trying to get something done, you know, you get out yes. there and say, hey, everybody, go support this guy. If you, if somebody's having a rough time, you say, hey, everybody, send good thoughts to this person. And I think that's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's something I started doing on the um, on the uh, Facebook uh, mostly. You know, but, you know, people sometimes yeah. they contact me and something's going wrong. So uh, I ask people to pray or to send positive thoughts or energy, which, whatever they want to look at it, but just to show some concern toward uh, the person. People feel very much alone when they're going through difficult times. So the, the chief value of that, whether you believe in prayer or energy or not, <laughs> is that people care enough to like it or to make a comment or to send prayers in return or you know whatever they want to say. It's people expressing concern for, for people who really need it. So uh, that's something yeah. I, I, I do. And I started the Order of the Golden Fleece. And uh, okay. that's inspired by Jason and the Argonauts. And now I get together with people and we talk about what we can do. <laughs> you know, like, and we started some podcasts to tell people how to uh, access community resources. Again, people don't, don't know that there's tons of stuff out there you know, that could help them. 
Um, so we show people how to tap into that. We think about what we could personally do. And so that's a, a small bunch of people doing that uh, as well. That's that's awesome. So Thank you. have you been on any adventures? Have you been on any adventures lately? Yes, I've been on several adventures. Uh, way back when I lived in Pennsylvania, almost a decade ago, or about a decade ago, uh, I used to investigate uh, the paranormal very actively. And uh, in New Jersey, I haven't really had the opportunity to do that, but I've had, uh, like in, in libraries, I've given talks and people could share their experiences with everything from ghosts to UFOs to cryptids and, and so forth. Um, and that's who the chief value was. Uh, people, they find themselves unable to share this with the, the people in their life who may make fun of them or belittle them. Right. So they keep quiet about the things. They hear at the library hearing me talk about weirdness and other people talk about uh, uh, anomalous things. They, they feel comfortable and they, and they share. Uh, but now I'm going to start investigating uh, UFO mysteries again. So uh, I've been doing research, and I'll be starting that very, very soon. In fact, I was thinking of talking to you about maybe uh, submitting some of these investigations or research to uh, um, the Paranoia magazine or Mysterious magazine. Yeah. We would love it. We would love that. Yeah, I love working with you guys, so to give us a way of working together. Yeah. We love working with you, Hercules. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, All right. So – now, one of the reasons that I like to get you on is obviously you're you're just an awesome human being, and you you do some amazing things, and you help a, you help a lot of people, and I, I like to help you in what little way I can to get the word out, right? But I appreciate you, that. Oh no, no, hey, we're friends, and and you know you love paranoia, we love your stuff, so we're trying to you know support you too. But like many people who come on the podcast. You have a very interesting uh, specialty, and yes. out of everybody I've ever yes, now out of everybody I've ever met, right, I've never known another person that has this particular specialty. Let me explain. So there, every once in a while, right, as as a publisher, and I'm sure Ron will back this up as you know, being involved in paranoia. Every once in a while, people send you information, or they send you questions, or they're doing a report for school and, and you know we try very hard to support our listeners and our readers and it's like if you're doing a report for school you want to use something out of paranoia you know email us or if you have a story email us or whatever but if you go to parties or you go to events or you even just exist <coughs> people like to to tell you their story or ask you questions yes now one on occasion it's rare but on occasion somebody will come to me and say, I know, and it always starts out, I know this sounds crazy. And the minute they start out with, I know it sounds crazy, I'm in, right? Mm-hmm. Me too. So I'll, I'll, yeah, so I'll, that's like my trigger word. It's like, yes, I'm in. So every once in a while, somebody will send me an email and say, oh, my God, I think I saw fill-in-the-blank God, like ancient God walking around. Now, I think a lot of people, this is more, a lot more prevalent than I, I think that we're willing to admit, um, but it happens once in a while, and, and the, usually when somebody will send me an email like this, they're very scared, 
not so much scared that they saw somebody walking down the street that they think is Odin. Right, I'm Scandinavian, so I'll go there. But mm-hmm. but it's more like it's more like if I tell anybody, they're going to put me in the nut house. So I like to get you one because this is actually a specialty you have, which is ancient gods, not just Grecian gods, but all kinds of gods, ancient gods that walk among us. Yes. And yes, and I thought that would be very interesting because I know there are a bunch of people out there because they contacted me on occasion that have seen pe- people that they think are ancient gods of some kind. And I want them to know that this is a thing, that this is a real thing. This isn't made up. And the only guy I know that can talk about it is you. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad to talk about it. I didn't. Re- I I've met many people uh, in the course of my wanderings who uh, c- can also perceive the gods and see them walking around. And we've had some really uh, interesting uh, uh, conversations. And uh, these days, uh, I I have like uh, um, two groups of uh, people who like uh, let's say uh, <laughs> one of my ancestral uh, gods uh, tells me something in meditation. And if mm-hmm. I don't get to it right away, or if I think, well, you know, that might have been my inner <laughs> stuff, you know, manifesting in this way. Right. Let me meditate on that a little bit more. Uh, I'll get phone calls. One is from a magical group uh, in Chicago, and the other one is a UFO, uh, and that's what UFO is, cosmic spirituality uh, group out in California. Uh, and they will tell okay. me that uh, it, during whatever they do, and they do different things, and they don't know each other. Um, that uh, Zeus came to them and said this, you know, and it'll be what I had been given, but uh, again, uh, uh, put on the shelf or put on the, I don't need to do this right now, just to remind me that uh, I got a true communication and that, yes, maybe I should work on this before I work on the other things that I'm working on. So uh, there's enough verification at this point that I'm convinced it's not all in my head. Uh, my initial impulse right. is to put it there because, you know, we dream, uh, we fantasize, we imagine, uh, and we have all these conversations uh, in, in different guises going on, you know, all the time. Uh, so my right. first uh, impulse is, okay, these were my thoughts, you know, uh, manifesting in this way in my subconscious. So uh, I approach all things on that level first. But uh, life doesn't give me the luxury of keeping things there. Because I'll get these right. telephone calls, or I'll start getting synchronicities and an alarming rate to keep returning to the message I was given. So, um, uh, but it's it's often through daily life uh, things, you know, where if someone doesn't know how to listen, uh, they'll just edit it out with their consciousness. Um, right. But it's it, they do appear physically as well. I don't know if I've shared this story with you, but uh, mm. back. In the 70s, uh, I was a channel for a theosophical, spiritual type of group. Now they're called the I Am Movement. Uh, mm-hmm. And I guess they oh, originally right. were called that. So, so this was an offshoot yeah. of all that. Uh, Blavatsky would have been horrified at the blend of uh, spiritualism and theosophy, but that's exactly what uh, happened with Ballard and, and, and afterwards. Uh, so right. I was yeah, uh, on, the channel. Yes, I was the channel for a group of these folks uh, back in the 70s when I was a a teenager. Um, So I used to go into trance and different beings uh, used to speak. And some of the beings were uh, like uh, um, uh, 
the great white brotherhood type of uh, beings, uh, ascended masters, you know, they're called different things. Some of them were UFO beings, very typical of the type of communications that people were getting at the time. Uh, but I was sitting in a uh, park one day and I used to smoke as a teenager. So I was like smoking, just hanging out uh, in the park because uh, I got downtown early so and I didn't have to channel for a while. So I was uh, sitting smoking in the park and uh, this uh, dark skinned uh, gentleman, um, he came up to me and started talking to me and he looked like a derelict and he smelled like a derelict too. But uh, I, I talked with him, you know, and uh, I treated him respectfully and uh, he sat down next right. to me and I gave him a cigarette and we had a conversation and he looked, you know, like he looked. Uh, so then he asked me why was I um, uh, answering him so respectfully, and I told him that you know I, I pretty much talked to everybody that way. That uh, right. you know I believe that uh, we should be treated respectfully. So I try my best, you know, to treat people respectfully. So uh, and he said that I don't have any of the reactions that people normally have to him, and I, I said no. I, life goes up and down, you know. If there for the grace of the gods, you know, go I. So I, I, I tend not to. Uh, uh, judge people until I know them uh, a little bit better, and then I might peg them into categories. But uh, I'm pretty open to who people are. So all of a sudden, he transformed, and he was still a dark skinned gentleman, but he had like a um, he was dressed in like clean clothes and uh, very expensive looking clothes. So he okay. told me that uh, basically uh, it's good that I trust my instincts rather than uh, uh, the notions given to me by my society. And uh, that was, you know, that was the first uh, dramatic time uh, I had uh, a ancient God manifest uh, physically. Now, did he tell you who he was? I knew who he was. Okay. Uh, he was Hermes. He was Hermes is one in one of his many cultural guises. Ooh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, as soon as he, as soon as he did that, I knew who he was because uh, in the myths, Hermes and Zeus uh, do that on occasion. They'll disguise themselves to test uh, the reactions of uh, people in their domain. Uh, so I guess right. uh, being Greek and attuned to Olympus, I was technically in the in the domain. Uh, but right. I've also encountered the same being, like uh, dressed as a white businessman. Uh, oh, that goodness. I was in a bus one time, and I got into a conversation. Then I realized I wasn't talking to a person. Um, as we went off into Jersey, and uh, the guy started talking about like really obscure hermetic things again. So again, I knew who I was talking to, and. Um, so those are just two early examples. That was from the seventies, uh, as well, but they're, they're real, they're very dramatic. You're in the twilight zone before you know it, you know, and, uh, then later on, it, they make sense for us while they're, you're undergoing them. Certain things don't make sense, but your faculty to determine that they don't make sense doesn't kick, if that, if that makes sense, kicks until later. Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, yeah, one no, of the I books by... Okay, great. Uh, in one of the books that I contributed to for uh, Tim Beckley, um, I wrote about the white lady. Uh, whenever I go to Greece and go to the island of Lemnos, where most of me, you know, most of my DNA pool comes from, um, right. there's a little church on the mountain called Aya Marina. And every uh -huh. time I've gone there as a child and as an adult uh, by myself, 
uh, a woman uh, comes out of nowhere, seemingly, and starts talking to me. And she always seems to know um, everything that's happened to me since, like, last time I was there. Right. And that doesn't seem odd to me. We have like conversations and they're always very pleasant. And then she's, you know, when I'm getting ready to leave, she'll say bye. And this is a barren mountain in Greece. So there's no place for her to go. There's no, like, there aren't that many trees except for olive trees for her to hide behind. There's no, like, holes in the ground right. for her to go into. But she always disappears. And it doesn't strike me so odd that this woman who hasn't aged a day in, uh, and all the time I've experienced the, these things and seems to know all about me where I don't know anything about her uh, and uh, it, it mysteriously vanishes while I'm interacting with her. It, those things don't come into memory at all. And the interaction just seems strange. But then when I leave and then I turn around, and she's not there. And then I remember that this has happened many times. Uh, and how does right. she know these things about me? Then, then it seems like very uh, bizarre and, and strange. And um, mm-hmm. recently, with the work I'm doing, uh, she revealed her identity um, through uh, medium and through other uh, people that are attuned to such things uh, consistently as Ekati, uh, who is a very ancient goddess uh, indeed. And um, she's not in her original form, she was a young woman. She's not like an old crone like she was here in America in like the Wiccan groups and so forth. Right. So those are just some examples of them, you know, uh, walking around, I guess. Uh, but uh, they also come into dreams. They come into meditations, into altered states, right. uh, into what might be called the hallucinations, where you can see them and other people can't. Um, and right. uh, then they communicate through synchronicities primarily, uh, and then also through other uh, people, um, either wittingly, where they're mediums or oracles or somebody who conveys spiritual information, or unwittingly uh, through, I guess, just influencing people's minds and uh, having them talk about something. Um, but the communication's uh-huh. there all the time, and you can tap into it whenever you want to. And uh, they they will remind you if if you forget. So how how do they? So you were saying that that they'll they can they can just kind of tap into you sometimes. I mean, you know, what do you need to do to like be open for that to happen? Um, I guess you need uh, the most consistent thing uh, that I've seen in uh, people who communicate with the gods is to have an affinity. Uh, with a particular uh, pantheon. Hello? So this works for any pantheon, it seems, uh, not just the Olympian one. Uh, I know people who are very attuned to Jesus and the saints and you know, uh-huh. personages from, the, from Christianity. Uh, I've known Jewish mystics who were attuned to the rabbis or you know, to, there are people who are attuned to angels. There are people who are attuned to the Norse gods. Uh, I actually spent uh, over a decade of my life, I, I, was, uh, I was teaching room classes. That's how absorbed I got into it, but uh, <laughs> the uh, Northern Mysteries, because uh, uh, they're, they're fascinating. And while I was uh, exploring that, some of my interactions came with uh, uh, some of the Norse uh, pantheon as well. Um, I remember once I wanted to dedicate myself to something, and I held a metal hammer up during a thunderstorm. And it thunderstormed like crazy. I didn't get electrocuted, which is good. Um, but uh, you get effects. Uh, as long as you're attuned to the pantheon and open um, and uh, willing to listen, uh, it, it's mm. not. I don't think it's as difficult as a lot of people think it is. 
Interesting. I mean, I, yeah, because <clears throat> you know, you know that I'm I'm Scandinavian. So yes. you know, I was curious. I was curious, you know, how how you would actually do that to get them to communicate to you. It, it's they're they're tricky though, uh, and sometimes you have to be careful. Uh, I remember back in the '90s. Uh, when I was uh, very immersed also in the Norse pantheon and looking for equivalents with the Olympian pantheon and with the Celtic pantheon, and uh, I spent like, right. years doing that, um, that uh, um, a friend of mine in California sent me a shirt with a bear on it because uh, uh, the bear uh, um, is uh, one of my earlier totems. And mm-hmm. uh, okay. She had gone to uh, some Hopi reservation and uh, was sitting like on a mesa and like the wind started like blowing and talking to her. And uh, she gave me a message that uh, when I came out to California, you know, uh, I needed to uh, commune with uh, the winds, you know, so she was going to drive me to the top of a mountain or something. So I uttered something to the effect that when I come out there, I would address the wind lord and I, I would wear the bear shirt. <laughs> okay. And that's, I consecrated myself to Odin by uttering those words. And uh, the next uh, couple of years of my life were like a roller coaster ride through hell. You know, a, a lot changed dramatically in my life, and a lot of it for the better, I guess. But uh, uh, I had been tricked into uttering words of consecration, something with my conscious mind I would never have done uh, uh, in that right. way. Because a, a bear yeah, then- shirt, that's where you get berserker from. And these were the uh, warriors who were. Uh, you know, possessed uh, by uh, uh, Odin that had the ferocity of uh, bears, and some said they turned into bears. Uh, and then also, Odin is a wind lord. Uh, so uh, he, uh, so I spoke those words, and I meant something else when I said them, but I did say them, and therefore I was bound by my words. That's interesting. Hey, so how, so how is it unconsecrated? Just... Hang on. How, how did you un? consecrate yourself or does it just last a period of time i I didn't it lasted a period of time my life went through phenomenally dramatic uh, changes um and uh in retrospect there were necessary changes but while i was undergoing them it was not a pleasant uh, ride experience Uh, yeah yeah but but again that's how odin does things so uh uh, that's how they happened uh, with me. And uh, also folks who explore communicating with different pantheons, um, if you you can't just approach one god in the pantheon uh, because right. you will experience the other gods uh, at some point or another. And these gods have relationships, some positive, some negative, with the god that you're right. attuned to. So if you're attuned to Thor, and I was attuned to Thor for, for many years, you'll, you'll get visits uh, from the other one. And when Odin, I consecrated myself to Odin, uh, I had ravens uh, in great numbers appear like all over the place and crows. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, there was a tree outside where I was living at the time. It was always full of black birds. I just concentrated myself. So, <laughs> so again, very, like very it. dramatic, very difficult to dismiss yeah. or something inside your head when you're getting stuff like that in, in your daily life. Go ahead, Ron. So. So, Hercules, is there a genetic predisposition uh, that we gravitate toward these different pantheons? Like within the Asian, if 
one was an Asian, if an Asian person uh, was able to like tap into this, would they see various Asian gods? It just seems like uh, it's more prevalent within, you know, like the Nordic culture or the Greek culture or something like that. So I was just wondering if, if this is prevalent throughout all the cultures on the planet. That's a very good question, and uh, sometimes it seems uh, one way and sometimes it seems uh, the other. Uh, mm-hmm. I can honestly say that with me, it seems uh, my um, uh, genetics and my early conditioning contributed to my attunement because I was informed about the Olympian uh, pantheon. But right. my wife, who is not a Greek, um, we were married, so she's married to a Greek, and you know, my family's Greek, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, she found Athena um, before she found uh, attunement with the uh, uh, Celtic in the Norse. You know, she's, uh, from, she's a Northern European uh, with a lot of her ancestry in uh, uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, so eventually she found that and she tapped into it. And uh, what's happened is that they synthesize. So she has her spirituality synthesizes uh, um, the Greek, the Norse, the Celtic, and uh, you know, some other uh, elements. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think everybody eventually finds uh, their own way. And the ancients understood that the gods were the same, but there were different cultural masks. Gotcha. So right. Yeah. There's a story, for instance, of Hercules. Uh, he wanted to speak to Zeus. So he went to the temple of Amun in Libya, and mm-hmm. uh, he talked uh, to the, the ram-headed god. Uh, and then only later, years later, he discovered that he had met with and spoke to Zeus because Zeus was uh, uh, Amun uh, with the ram's mm-hmm. head. And that ties into like the Golden Fleece and all sorts of other uh, stuff, but uh, uh, the Greeks had a story too that when Typhon mm. invaded, they went and hid behind masks and became the Egyptian gods. And uh, the early travelers, one of the first things they did back then was they tried to communicate through through the gods. So it's all right, you have this strong uh, god uh, with muscles who has adventures, so that's Hercules. You know, if you have another uh, goddess of love, that's Aphrodite. And they would equate mm-hmm. the gods in that way. And the Romans uh, actually left inscriptions of like their god with the name of the native god and what the association was. Yeah, I mean, the, the Romans were big on that. They they created yeah. a pantheon to try to create mm-hmm. a mapping between the Roman gods and, like, the Norse gods or, mm-hmm. you know, the Greek gods. <clears throat> they actually they actually spent time, like, trying to create a mapping, and the result was the pantheon. So when you were a, an ancient group, like, let's say that you were the, the Norse, right? When the right. Romans would attempt to conquer you, they, they'd say, it's okay. You know, Odin is like, you know, like this god, Odin, or Thor yeah. is like that god, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, there's like an equation, an equality there. And they'd be like, you can believe whatever you want because it maps to our stuff too, so it's all good. And that, and that survived <laughs> is, in a Western magical tradition too with the correspondence tables. Usually if you look at like the planets and things like that, uh, mm-hmm. right. the planets had equivalents with the gods too. Right. And through the calendar, right. they systematized that Jupiter throughout the science. empire. Yeah. 
So whatever your local variant is, uh, that was uh, who the day was. So like uh, Monday's Day of the Moon, Tuesday's to the God of War, and Tuesday's usually associated with Mars. Woden's Day or Odin's Day, that's Wednesday or Hermes. Uh, Thursday is Thor's Day, quite literally, and that he was usually equated right. with Jupiter or with uh, Hercules. Uh, Friday is Freya or Frigga's Day, and uh, that's the goddess of love, Venus or Aphrodite. And then Saturday is uh, um, Saturn, uh, who uh, was uh, Kronos in the Greek, and he's the god of the Old Testament. Gotcha. Yeah, I was. I was just. Uh, I was just watching a view from space, the, an old conspiracy show, out of Canada, and he was actually going off on that for a while. It was interesting you brought that up. The whole like connection between Saturn and and the ancient Egyptian gods and the the whole idea of Osiris and Set and all that. But it's all kind of wound together. Yeah, in we in ways that are like right in front of you all the time. Like a lot of people I know study uh, Hermeticism or Western magic. Uh, they look down on these correspondence charts, but the whole secrets of what these guys were talking about. Uh, are, are in the correspondence charts, you know, and then you can translate anything. Uh, and then the next challenge is where the correspondence uh, charts contradict each other, trying to figure out why they contradict each other. And sometimes it's just that people understood that the planets were in a different order. And that was true yeah. in the days of the week were established with their God names. They thought that the planets and, and the count of the sun and moon as planets were aligned uh, differently. Uh, and that's why they're in that order. And uh, um, magical groups uh, like the Orum Solis, uh, for instance, which are Hermeticism, uh, they had this really complicated thing for discovering like the, the New Day. And then some people go by the actual order of the planets, like a lot of the I Am groups. Uh, and I, I right. just like to keep things. Uh, uh, this is the order of our society. It's wrong, yes, but it's it's the reality we're living in. So, uh yeah, I, I tend to focus on that. It's easier too than trying to calculate uh, uh, using other systems. So, so have people come to you and been like, "I saw somebody walking down the street." Yes, people uh, convey stories. And I get emails uh, occasionally, uh, also, and usually they're quite shocked. Yeah, um, their minds are like blown. Yes, and sometimes the gods will appear in their traditional guises as well, which gets them even uh, more shocked. Um, or sometimes they'll have responses uh, um, that are geared to the weather or some of the symbols of uh, the gods. So, you know, the last, uh, uh, let's say, the last Hera uh, to, to give them a sign, and then they'll see a peacock or, you know, something peacock-related or... Um, you know, right. we, which normally might not pop up during the course of uh, quite a while, uh, but it'll pop up in a, in a short time after they've addressed uh, Hera. So they'll, they'll interpret that as a uh, confirmation or a sign. That's interesting. But yeah, so I, mean, I, you know, go ahead, Ron. So I, I have a very uh, interesting question, only because this sort of goes in sync with, you know, what we do at Paranoia and about UFOs and aliens. Uh, do you think there is a connection between some of these gods and uh, aliens and sort of the um, uh, various types of aliens that are out there? 
Yes, I do. Uh, in in the Greek uh, story um, uh, tied with uh, Dionysus, mm-hmm. um, Dionysus's mother was tricked by Hera into asking Zeus to show himself in her uh, in his true form. Right. So he revealed himself as a being of light. Mm-hmm. And Zeus, as the other Olympians, could shape shift. And there's, you know, he shapeshifts into a swan, into a bull, into somebody's husband. Uh, mm-hmm. The stories of Zeus are, are filled with this uh, quality. And in uh, UFO literature, the beings, uh, um, especially the ones accessible through like uh, the theosophically inspired groups and uh, the contactees, uh, mm-hmm. are beings of light. And they freely admit that they can appear in any way that they choose to appear. Uh, and other UFO-based beings have said the, the same thing, uh, that they can appear uh, in, in any particular way. And I know this from the uh, the gods, uh, mm-hmm. that that they could appear as they wanted, and they often uh, drove uh, ch- chariots, the sun chariots, through the sky. Yes. And uh, there's one myth uh, as part of uh, the uh, labor with the golden apples of the Hesperides, uh, where the Theban Hercules, whose tales those were about, uh, stole the sun chariot from Helios so he can go ac- across into the Atlantic to go to the mm-hmm. island of Gerion and steal the, the cattle. So uh, Helios was uh, parked there for whatever reason, and uh, Hercules stole his vehicle <laughs> and, and commandeered it for the, the labor. Gotcha. So th- these things are in the ancient stories, and there are robots in the ancient stories. Hephaestus, for instance, had his golden women who assisted him in his uh, you know, workshop. There was Talos, the giant robot who uh, patrolled uh, around the island of uh, Crete. And in fact, uh, during a much later period, pa- past the age of myth and legend and into history, uh, during the Hellenistic times, which is between mm-hmm. Alexander the Great and the early Caesars, the Antipathera right. device was created. And that is, that is as sophisticated, if not more sophisticated, than the switch watches of uh, much you know, later uh, centuries. And they calculated both astrology and astronomy uh, back when those were the same thing. So uh, there are indications of these things from antiquity, and uh, a lot of these, like the MOs of certain of the uh, beings, um, makes Mm -hmm. me believe that they're the same, and Mm -hmm. that, like for instance, have you guys, are you guys aware of the Unarius Academy of Science? I'm not. The Unarian? the uh, Unarius, they're in uh, El Cajon, yeah, California. Yeah. Oh, yes, okay, yeah, they, actually. They, 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 Adam Gorighi and I went there back uh, in 2012. We were there. Oh, awesome. Yeah, they, yeah they I, they I love those huge, guys. Oh, I love those guys. They have the huge, they have the, the huge, like, I forget what they call it, but it, when they all go out to where the, yes. the, the UFO tower is supposed UFO to land. UFO car, yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and they have the UFO That's car, pretty- and then, yeah. The Conclave of Light. Yes, they're having one uh, coming up. They're on my show once uh, once a month, and uh, they have been for a while. And uh, uh, I've known them for like 20, over 20 years of interacting with them, uh, uh, initially reviewing books and things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, But if you look at their literature, and it's voluminous, 
Uh, you have Hermes there, you have Poseidon there, you have Athena uh -huh. there, you have Atlantis uh, there. Uh, the first right. book he wrote was called The Elysium. Uh, some of the places like uh, Venus and Elysium and o Orion, you know, they're right out of uh, Greek mythology. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, also with the Mark Age, uh, they're not as active anymore, but I've known them for like 20 years too. Um, this really obscure stuff from Hesiod, uh, continues the story in like the the Mark Age uh, channelings that they got, and it's like such obscure stuff that you really need to know the background to to see it there even to begin with. Right. Um, and uh, that's where the golden giants who uh, uh, there was some great war and then some of them remained here uh, to help mankind's evolution. These are these are ancient stories. Um, so that's found in like the the Mark Age, and uh, there's a offshoot of the uh, um, Urantia book, where their celestials started revealing themselves as uh, the Greek gods of old, and saying that they were the same thing. Mm -hmm. So. I, that's a very long-winded answer to your question. Sure. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I always thought there there's some sort of connection or synchronicity yeah. because you know over a period of time people are basically kind of saying the same thing. It's just a matter of semantics, but uh, right. Pe people get just caught caught up in in the finer points of things because of their own cultural or religious bias. But uh, it makes total sense to me. Yeah, to, to me too. And I, the more I study it, the more connections I see. Like uh, you were saying before, all up with uh, you were seeing connections and connecting everything. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of times, yeah. uh, working with this material and along this particular track, it is that you get like uh, synchronicities galore, tying all sorts of things uh, together, and you know, shining lights on things. And uh, um, you know, it, it is uh, it, it, it's a wonderful thing. <clears throat> Yeah, I never, I never really, uh, you know, I was, in, I, I've been aware of the Unarians for a long time. I just, I never really read any of their stuff. But, I, but they have the, they, they have so many like events, and you know, it's, it's very dramatic. They've been around for a long time too. Oh yeah. Yeah, they've been oh, around yeah. for a long time. Yes, yes. Ruth and Ernest uh, Norman, their founders. Mm -hmm. uh, Norman, yep. the moderator, and. Um, Ruth uh, was better known as uh, Uriel. Mm -hmm. uh, they I, identified uh, Tesla as something important long before anybody else did. You know, uh, I, I think I first learned about Tesla through Unarius. And uh, what I like about them is that they know that people, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, look down on them and will make fun of them if they have them on for interviews. Uh, but mm -hmm. right. they they believe it's important to to preserve and to share this information. So even if some of them make fun of them, they will uh, be on the show uh, and, and get out as much information as they possibly can, and you know hope that it reaches uh, uh, somebody. So you got you got to admire admire that. Uh, and uh, with the markage uh, too, it, it's uh, going on two decades. I've been interacting with uh, um, like Philel. He does the Motok Chronicles uh, these days. Um, mm -hmm. He used to write for Tim Beckley's uh, magazines way back in the day, uh, uh, too. He wrote a lot, like I'm currently now uh, writing a lot. And uh, um, we occasionally have conversations about that. Uh, but with a lot of these groups that were inspired by theosophy, um, it 
it's a mistake to think that they're like worshiping uh, beings from space or from anywhere else. A lot of their like a lot of their stuff is on uh, character building. Mm-hmm. So it's how you handle your daily life that's important, not that you believe in you know their channeled material. Right. So I find that very refreshing uh, too. Mm-hmm. It's like we, we're we're tasked with preserving all this material, but you don't have to believe it. You know, live a good life. You know, be a good person, and uh, so I like that about them. Right. So you know, the other thing is, um, I was wondering, have you ever had an opportunity to go to like Comic Cons or or Wizard World Comic Con? Because it just seems like it would be sort of a hand and glove fit for you to be able to, you know, go to these events and share with people all this very interesting information. Well, thank you. I used to go to uh, Comic Cons like back in the, I guess, 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, right now, one of the things I'm doing is uh, uh, I like Star Trek people. Mm hmm. Because uh, Star Trek people, they're, they're focused on the, the Star Trek, uh, but they go and do a lot of charitable things for their, uh, you know, for their communities. So I like that about them. And I started a, a Star Trek uh, um, show on one of my podcasts. And uh, we're going to start with that story with uh, Who Mourns for Adonis that has Apollo in it. Mm-hmm. There was a Star Trek story where they stumbled across Apollo and he was the last of the Olympians. And, uh, of course, he fell in love with one of the uh, attractive crew members. And uh, um, uh, Scotty also liked her and there was a lot of drama. But anyway, it was Greek mythology and uh, Star Trek. And one of the things I study is uh, Greek mythical survivals in popular culture. So I will be doing something and going to Comic-Cons. And we have one radio show around that right now. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I'm going to be generating some more activity. It, it's going to be focused on um, supporting the community through science fiction rather than through uh, cosmic spirituality or Greek mythology or any of the other things mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm focused on. So um, that is a good suggestion. Thank you. I intend on doing that. Yeah, I mean, Comic-Cons are just so popular now. I mean, if you went to them back in the 80s and 90s, they, they've just grown exponentially, and there's so many all over the country now. So, again, I just think it'd be a really good for you to be able to kind of share and, and express all the vast wisdom and knowledge you have regarding this. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, yes, I intend on exploring there, and uh, um, thank you for that idea. Mm-hmm. I'm just... You know, it's interesting because you were talking about the the Star Trek with Apollo, that, that it has the ancient gods, whether you're talking about Norse gods or Celtic gods or Roman gods, or you know, because obviously, you know, you've drawn that parallel that a lot of them overlap. It is interesting mm-hmm. that they've survived, that they really have survived, you know, that yes, they're all over popular is. culture. They are all over popular culture, and uh, like uh, one of the things that I, I read a book about this. I don't remember the title of the book, uh, but it was about how the Greek gods survived. And uh, this isn't a very lofty reason, 
but uh, for a long time in Europe, the only nude figures you can paint or, or do in sculpture were from uh, the classical uh, era, especially the Greco-Roman uh, right. gods. So they survived by being the only beings that you could portray naked um, throughout the, all those difficult uh, periods when uh, um, Europe was intent on stamping out all heresy. Uh, so right. uh, that was a very weird way to survive, but they, they did survive uh, through that way. Uh, then there was like through the Victorian uh, era's uh, books for children. Uh, that gave it impetus. And now they're in everything from comic books to television shows to um, you name it, cartoons. Uh, um, they're there. And uh, it, it's wonderful that uh, the stories are being uh, retold as well as new stories being drawn up that uh, bring you into that world. And that, that world uh, has been transplanted successfully over the centuries and uh, it will continue to be transplanted. And uh, these stories and the lessons they contain and the intelligences that are behind these stories uh, can be reached uh, through these uh, stories as well. Yeah, it, you know, it makes you wonder because it's like for something to have that kind of longevity, you know, there, there has to be something to it, right? You, you know, you, there are plenty of, of stories that die out. But for some yes. reason, these ones persist, and I, I think they persist because they're the ultimate. You know, you know, a lot of people know me as a conspiracy guy, but I have other interests. Yes, and and you know, yeah, you're very aware of that, and you know, I think that when I, especially having studied anthropology, one of the things that you see is that when you look at myth, right. It's it's the eighty twenty game that eighty percent of it is BS that that's been kind of ham hot over time and inflated and conflated and inflated and whatever, but ultimately the root there's something to it or they wouldn't have written about it, they wouldn't have put it into their oral traditions, they wouldn't have invested so much effort in it if there wasn't something fundamentally there. Right. Oh, certainly. And it, it's uh, the information, like, for instance, if you go look at official buildings, uh, courthouses and, uh, um, you know, places of uh, political power, uh, the Greek gods are there. They're portrayed, uh, yeah. you know, on top of buildings, uh, uh, in parks and uh, so forth. And if you look at transpersonal right. psychology, which is like neo-Jungian psychology, uh, they did a really good job in showing how the gods are inside of us as well as uh, outside of us. And we're kind of coded uh, with uh, these uh, stories. If you look into comic books, uh, they're there. Uh, so they, they are very much alive, and they are uh, – even in our politics, we have uh, – uh, democracy versus uh, republicanism, and that's the Greek versus the Roman form of uh, government, or, or, although right. they experienced other type of government. So here you have what's better, you know, democratic or republican forms of government. That's playing out in a very major way uh, right now in our, in our society. So wherever you look, if you know what to look for, you'll find these stories continuing onwards, uh, you know, uninterrupted from the, the past. So no people are not, uh, although there's a temple to Athena in, in Tennessee, um, and people do follow the ancient gods uh, through worship, 
Um, it, even if they didn't, uh, the gods are here. They never went anywhere, and they're not going anywhere. They'll, they'll be, they're part of our psyches. They're part of the, our history. Uh, so they'll always be there. So do you do you have a feeling of where they ultimately came from? Like, let's say for the sake of argument. <clears throat> I, I feel that they're celestial powers and that okay. they, that this explanation is understood regardless of, you know, uh, uh, which mythology. Like uh, a very common thing that we talk about how the, the days of the week are associated with the planets and the planets are associated with the uh, gods. Uh, also, right. the constellations, you know, ha- I think uh, 44 constellations are tied to mythology. Um, mm-hmm. So this um, understanding of the gods as starry beings is very old. It goes back to uh, antiquity. And it, like even in the Homeric hymns, it talks about how uh, um, uh, Aries and you understand the planet Mars, you know, drives uh, – his chariot uh, in the third uh, heaven, which is again associated with the planet Mars. So these associations to the stars are very ancient. Uh, and the way that the ancients understood ascension is uh, the, the heavens were the skies. So you see Hercules amongst the constellations, so he's there in heaven looking down you know, at you. And you, if you were outstanding enough, uh, you could get a constellation named after you, and then you'd be like in the heavens uh, uh, as well. So the, the association with the gods and celestial phenomenon is very, very old. Um, and I believe that uh, the answer to that is found in uh, magical texts, especially in Hermeticism and later on in Theosophy, uh, where uh-huh. sometimes they refer to the gods as sylphs, which were like a type of air elemental that lived in the air. And the ancients right. thought that the sky was, the planets were underneath the, the vault of heaven. So they moved okay. through different belts in the atmosphere uh, between our earth and the bowl of heaven, or the vault okay. of heaven. So each each of the planets had like a, a, a particular level that uh, it operated through. So a lot of the old philosophies were based on that assumption. And uh, so uh-huh. therefore the, the gods and the planets operated in different heavens, these being between the earth and the uh, vault of heaven. And Saturn or the God of the Old Testament was the most high because he was thought to be the furthest out. And that's why Saturday is like the last day of of the week. Um, So um, my understanding is that our approaches that we take now are geared toward how we currently think. And it's okay to approach the gods as ancient astronauts or ancient aliens. There were civilizations that were more advanced than ours, uh, according to right. the lore. So that wouldn't be a wrong way of looking at them. Um, and Evemeros, who lived during the days of Alexander, actually saw someone, notably Alexander, becoming a god. So he started speculating about the gods of old and some stories that are told of them that seem to indicate that uh, uh, some of the gods um, were, their lives, their mythology was comprised from stories of men 
sometimes more than one person. Like uh, they believe, I think five people contributed to the story of Zeus, and over forty contributed to the legend of Hercules. Um, right. And so you had stellar uh, gods, you had uh, humans who <laughs> were reflection of these different types of planetary powers who became associated with uh, the gods. Uh, and then you had them contributing towards uh, living mythology. Um, so uh, that is an acceptable way. And also looking at them as outer space beings, um, it, all you need to do is uh, change a little bit how you look at the, even the modern theosophical writings. Uh, and they indicate right. pretty strongly that the gods are advanced. They're tied in with uh, the planets and the constellations. Um, Unarius does this even in their, in their books. And uh, recently, one of the books I contributed to were an uh, Ash um, Star Command uh, type of book where uh, the Solar Council speaks. Mm-hmm. And that was a channeling right. done. And there, she very clearly says that the, the gods of the planets are the same thing. Uh, and she channeled the communication from the different planetary gods. And they're talking there about how they're the same in Greek mythology and so forth. So, uh, again, another long-winded uh, answer, Ron, to your question. It's, compli- it's gotcha. complicated. Thank you. <laughs> it's complicated. It's not it, it is complicated, I mean, yes. It's not an yeah. easy thing, but, but looking at them in different ways. And um, there is no orthodox uh, ancient uh, Greek spirituality. Um, so basically, you're free to believe or not to believe, you know, whatever you want, and to explore in any way you want. So, uh, if seeing the gods as uh, uh, theosophical ascended masters or Elohim works for you, then fine, that works for you. And uh, if you, see, you want to see them as planetary gods or uh, as uh, hermetic uh, principles or as you know, even fictions that contain human truths, as long as it works for you, that's it's fine. The gods don't seem to mind how you look at them. No, they don't. That that's one of the things that's interesting is that they they really don't. I mean, the, no. the people that that have contacted me and said, you know, I I was on a subway train and I I think I'm at you know I think I'm at Thor on a subway train. You know, they when they have that conversation, you know, <clears throat> for whatever reason they just seem to know that's Thor. I'm just right. Using it as an example. They just kind of know that it's Thor, but it's like every one of them, and it's not a ton. I mean, it's like 15, 20 emails that I've gotten about it. They, It's like I have a normal conversation with the God of Thunder. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like, yeah, it's not like I'm having some sort of like, you know, expansive metaphysical conversation. It's, it's like, hey, you should treat people right. Well, I try yeah, you do. You do a good job. Just keep doing it. Just, I just wanted you to know, I know. And it's like, boom, gone. I mean, it's not, yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, they're, they're, you know, very interesting and unique and they, they can appear as people or, or they can act through people. Uh, right. So the per- the person you talked to might not be full all the time, but for the the period of the conversation, uh, he was four. But it, I don't what know if struck that me is sense, but it does it does. But what struck me is that it was a very human conversation. It wasn't like you would think that okay, well I'm talking to 
to the <clears throat> to the god of thunder or i'm talking to aphrodite the goddess of love and you're gonna you know and and like you're gonna be taken out of time and and it's gonna be like there are clouds in the sky and you're standing on this this you know grass field it's not like that it's literally like the way that it was explained to me is like i'm just talking to a guy on the subway yes i was and i found that fascinating in, if if they appear to you in dreams, you might get a different type of uh, experience. But uh, in this sure. uh, physical plane, uh, a lot of times you don't realize till after who you're talking to, and uh, uh, then it becomes very clear. Uh, but uh, to people around uh, the person might, that I spoke to, uh, might have continued to appear as a derelict. You know, for all I know, I don't. I don't know. People don't normally transform in front of your eyes. But uh, this wasn't a two or three second thing. This was a conversation that lasted a while. It, it lasted several rounds of cigarettes that were shared, and uh, uh, and it, it, even though it was uh, an unusual type of uh, conversation. Uh, it, it was a human conversation, nothing divine or uh, earth-shattering or uh, supernatural like happened. It was just talking. Yeah, that, that's the part that always gets me is that it's just like talking. That, you know, here, maybe that's the power of it, that it's like here you're talking to this this being that has so much power but they're not showing it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that, that mm. makes sense. And according to the legends, it happened a lot. Zeus and Hermes did it very often. In Norse mythology, Heimdall, Loki, and Odin right. did it fairly often. And even Thor, right. during one of his adventures with I forget what the two kids were named. There were two kids uh, that he had with him. Magni, um, like Magni and... Uh, no, it wasn't Magni. Magni and Modi were sons. Uh, it was... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, but uh, that that seemed like normal uh, conversing, uh, too, with the people who were around. Uh, they didn't think that they had a god and uh, two demigods in their midst. You know, that it was just some guy. Right. That that always has struck me. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's counter it's counter to what you would think. Because, you know, coming you know, cards on the table, right? I was I was raised as an Episcopalian. You know, and, mm-hmm. and when I went through confirmation classes, you know, it was like the burning bush or you know, he you know, God descends from the sky and it's just like like dramatic thing. But these interactions with the with more of the old gods, the ancient gods, it's not as dramatic. It's just kind of like, here I am. <laughs> it's kind of like I'm over it. Let's just chit chat, you know. And it, it's counter to like the Western Christianity model of something that's just so insanely dramatic. That, that's very true. They were more accessible. They were even more human. Uh, in the way that uh, they were portrayed and understood, right? Yeah, and and you know you you read the you read the the Eddas and the, and some of the the Norse poetry, right? And it's just like there's a god walking down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not it's not like you know Thor Thor had a, a chariot that was pulled by goats. 
And it was like, okay, the goat chariot lands and Thor just gets out and walks down the street. And people are like, hey, Thor. And he's like, hey, guys, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very accessible. Right. I mean, but a lot of this is uh, antithetical to, you know, the Abrahamic religions where they're more um, uh, monotheistic. And so they probably don't really hold much credence to a lot of this type of belief system, right? Uh, that That's very true. Although there are some uh, Christian sects where they're interacting with God and Jesus and uh, um, Mary and the angels and the saints. Uh, uh, so it's still there among some mm-hmm. uh, uh, Abrahamic uh, religions. Uh, uh, I've spoken to uh, Arabic people who interact with the jinn. Uh, on a fairly uh, um, frequent uh, basis. And uh, so people do interact with uh, entities and uh, they, they interact with UFO entities uh, as well, whether they're like contactees who are kind of being taken on trips and being given like in, uh, information of benefits of humanity right. and given, being ambassadorial uh, uh, assignments uh, to do. Um, or people being abducted, or you know, all sorts of stories. These stories are very old. Uh, yeah. And uh, um, Ballet wrote uh, Passports in Magonia, and he's, <laughs> I think, the first right. one that really pointed out how closely these uh, uh, UFO tales are related to folklore. And other right. people right. have written, like, uh, they focused on Fatima greatly uh, about how much that was like a UFO encounter. If they didn't have the Catholic way of understanding it and expressing it, uh, it's not mm-hmm. very Catholic at all what happened. Uh, it's, it's, it's more UFO uh, spirituality than anything else. Uh, but we understand things the way we understand them, and uh, that's where we are at that point, and that's how we... Uh, uh, we call them. I'll give you an example. Um, I actually give this talk every now and then. Uh, in Greek mythology and in Greek uh, folklore and in people's experiences in Greece, there are these shadowy entities. Mm-hmm. So the shadowy entities are understood to be satyrs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But not just the satyrs that are alive in the wilderness, but old satyrs, ancient satyrs who are on their way out of uh, being uh, like nature spirits. They're kind of like mm-hmm. decaying gods or, or something. Uh, but right. they still have okay. some of the drives as satyrs and so forth. And that's the way that they explain it. Uh, but uh, again, living here now, uh, I've encountered the same entities with the same MO, you know, shadowy entities, sometimes with glowing red eyes, with, uh, um, you know, like sexual type of energy. Uh, I found them right. in uh, literature about demons, in literature about succubi and incubi, uh, in mm-hmm. literature about Bigfoot, uh, in literature about UFOs. Uh, and we approach this in different ways, depending on what we're willing to believe or entertain. But the mm-hmm. MO is exactly the same. So, you know, is it a satyr or is it a yeti? Is it a being from outer space or is it something terrestrial here? The explanations vary widely, um, but the experience is common to humanity. But we think different things about it and we interpret it mm-hmm. in different ways. Which way right. is the truth? I, I certainly don't know, but I know that this you know, has happened. I've investigated and I've experienced it. But which explanation is correct? I, I have no idea. Right. Yeah. I think that's the objective way to, you know, look at things and the more balanced thing. But it just seems like 
we have such an imbalance within society today. So much polarism and, uh, you know, extremism. So we need, we need oh, to really seek that, seek that balance and that harmony once again. And uh, hopefully that'll happen soon. I, I hope so, too. The, the world is getting to be a very strange place uh, lately. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people uh, on all levels of society have been expressing the fact that you know, it's like they feel like they're in an alternate dimensional, you know, yeah. And somehow we switched into bizarro world, and and that's mm-hmm. where we find ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. The the upside down place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And with the gods too, which understanding of the gods is the true one? I don't know. I've resonated with several manifestations of the gods through different cultural guises, and it's the same mm-hmm. gods behind like different masks. So it's the same powers. Um, I resonate most powerfully with the uh, Greek mythology because uh, maybe because I was uh, born into it. Uh, mm-hmm. If you believe the old beliefs, the, the gods kick uh, certain lines of people and just like tweak them to be able to better contain the, the spirits uh, if they need to be here, like through an incarnation or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe that's not that's a belief that crosses cultural uh, boundaries in many ways. It's either a good thing or a bad thing, uh, but it's there. But the fact that they exist, so many people, including myself, I, I trust what I experience more than what I read. Um, but it's a common human experience that transcends culture and that spans time. So the fact that it's real, I don't doubt my interpretation or my understanding is something I'm continuously working on uh, to see if I can understand it better. Um, But the fact that it's real, I have no doubt. And the fact that since, since the dawn of time, it's been associated with uh, stellar phenomena, that there is a connection. That's who I believe is is real. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, my mind is blown, Hercules. Every time you're on, my mind is blown. I'm greatly honored. You've blown my mind. Mine, mine's times, expanded, but... man. You expanded mine. You blew his, so there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm honored. So, uh... <laughs> no. So, okay, so our, our time is growing short. Uh, for our listeners, uh, Hercules is obviously in New Jersey, and it's getting rather late. So, Hercules, where can people find you? Um, the best place if, at the present time is actually Facebook. Um, and if they type in Hercules uh, and then Invictus, I-N-V is Invictor, I-C-T-U-S, um, I believe there's uh, uh, two of me and one of somebody else there. Uh, but, uh, there yeah, the, the one that has the most... Uh, friends or whatever is, is the one where I'm, I'm currently found. And uh, the other way is through Blog Talk Radio. Uh, okay. If they go to Blog Talk Radio backslash S-U-R-N, uh, I, my, my podcasts are in there. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> well, as always, it's, it's an honor to have you on. And again, you always blow my mind. And to our listeners, you know, if you're walking down the street and you think that, that you have run into an ancient god, you're not alone. There are other people who have felt this too. 
send us an email. We'll get you in touch with Hercules or send a message to Hercules. You know, he can help you figure it out. Um, I know that he's done that in the past and, and, you know, he's a very nice supportive guy and, and he'll help you figure it out. Or you can email us and, and we'll do our best. I have not, I have yet to meet a God. Um, I am, my mind and my, my mind is open and my antennas are up. So <laughs> Thor, if you want to come, come hang out and have a beer, let me know. <laughs> but again, you know, it was just don't hit me with a hammer. But it, again, it was it was an honor honor to have you on. Um, the same here. I enjoyed it greatly, and I can't wait for our next conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll we'll have you on again, again and Thank again you. and again. <laughs> so our our time draw, draws short. Uh, we have a lot going on. So as always, you can find us on Facebook at Paranoia Magazine, paranoiamagazine.com. Uh, Hercules does write for us, uh, so check out the magazine. He has written articles. He will write more, I'm sure. I hope. But, I will. You know, thank you. They're very good. <laughs> um, but thank you again. Uh, <laughs> ParanoiaMagazine.com, uh, Paranoia Mags on Instagram. You can follow my misadventures in uh, going to weird places. Uh, Cold War archaeology pies I bake. I'm a paranoid baker, and I have a love affair with uh, weird block kits of T-72 tanks and helicopters and fighter planes. <laughs> so, Ron? Just to name a few. <laughs> just hey, name folks. A few. <laughs> Take good care and keep the faith. All right, everybody, especially in this time of chaos, uh, please be excellent to one another. Thanks. Good night. Good night. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com Intro theme, The Guide, was composed by Scott Moon. ScottMoon.net Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental. ProfessorElemental.com Voiceover written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74. Visit us at OSI74.com We are resuming control. For now. <laughs>